Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. You're listening to Thunder and Lightning on Super Talk Mississippi. Covering Mississippi State sports like nobody else. Sports Talk Mississippi's Brian Haydad, along with Robbie Falk from 24-7 Sports, give you an inside look at the Bulldogs on the field, the court, and the diamond. Now, get ready for Thunder and Lightning. This is Thunder and Lightning here on Super Talk Mississippi. Brian Haydad and Robbie Falk joining you on a Thursday morning. Thanks for joining us at supertalk.fm or wherever it is you get podcasts from. Appreciate all of our great listeners, especially our servicemen and women out there taking care of us. I want to thank our sponsors at Strange Brew Coffeehouse and Churn and Spoon Ice Cream. Start your day the right way with a stop by Strange Brew Coffeehouse. Swing through the drive-thru, head up to the walk-up window, grab your beverage, and get your day started with a delicious drink from one of the brewistas. They'll take care of you like they have been for so many years. One of our best local businesses here in Starkville is Strange Brew Coffeehouse. College Corner, collegecornerstore.com. That's the place to shop for maroon and white merchandise. Make sure that this weekend you've done that already. Don't come to Starkville to wait in line. Come to Starkville to go to the game, to go out to eat, to see your friends and family and tailgate. Have the MSU merchandise already purchased because you've already stopped at College Corner. Two locations in the Jackson area to serve you. They're in Ridgeland by Fleet Feet. They're in Flowood by the Half Shell. Or you can shop online at collegecornerstore.com. Humble Taco is waiting to serve you this weekend in Starkville, Starkville's newest and best Mexican restaurant, Mexican fare with Mississippi Roots, a unique menu you won't find anywhere else. Grab a seat on the patio. should be fantastic weather this weekend. Enjoy a handcrafted margarita, some chips and salsa, and then grab one of their delicious tacos. Humble Taco is the place to be this weekend when you're here for Mississippi State football. Robbie Falk, we've got a lot to talk about today. Good show lined up. A couple of interviews already in the can. I talked earlier to Jonas Pope IV from the Raleigh News and Observer. Got his thoughts on this game. And talked to Mike Golick Jr. He, of course, will be calling the game uh, for ESPN2. They will be in Starkville. Live broadcasters, Robbie. I know you're excited. Yes, I'm so excited about having actual announcers inside the stadium. That's how it should have been last year. Uh, Having anybody call a game from their couch is just not good and it's not the announcer's fault that's what they've been instructed to do but i mean remember last year baseball when when ben mcdonald was like next door in baton rouge and was calling the game from his house and could see the stadium from his house yeah and then later on that weekend it was when state played them later on that weekend he was actually at the game Mm -hmm. so i mean that that was a ridiculous cost-cutting um thing that that espn did last week i went back and watched that game that was terrible so i'm very excited to have someone in the stands or i guess in the press box that's going to call this game because you can't really get a feel of a ball game if you're sitting on a couch well the reason i wanted to talk to mike golick was simple former offensive lineman i wanted his thoughts on mississippi state's offensive line and he gave them to us we'll hear that in just a minute but everything is tied to this one little thing and i guess it's not really a little thing it's a big thing State isn't better on the offensive line. They aren't going to beat North Carolina State. It is it is literally that simple, and it's going to be that way for the rest of the year. If they're not better on the offensive line, they're not going to beat LSU. They can they can get by with what they're doing maybe and beat Memphis. They're not going to beat LSU or A&M, and they're certainly not going to beat Alabama, but they're not going to beat Kentucky or Arkansas. They're not going to beat Ole Miss. They're, I mean, they're going to, they're going to struggle. 
It's just that simple if this offensive line doesn't get better. When you look at State's problems up front, do you see correctable problems? A few of them. Okay. A few of them I do. I, I think that, you know, you're dealing with stunts and twists and things like that, I mean, th- those are things that I feel like you can work on to try to prepare for better. If you're just getting whipped one-on-one, I don't know how you fix that. I mean, th- there were some times last week where Charles Cross was, was helmet-to-helmet with somebody and just got beat. Uh, that that kind of stuff, I don't know if that's correctable. You just got to be better. Yeah. And that, that's basically what that boils down to. If you're just straight up getting beat, that's a problem. If it's if it's uh, you know some things where you're just having trouble picking up blitzes, things like that, that's another thing. And I'd be interested. I'm interested to hear Golick's thoughts on what he's seen from that group. Yeah. Well, let's just go ahead and get into the interview then. I talked earlier to Mike Golick Jr. from ESPN. He's on the color commentary along with Anna Schroff. He's uh, doing play-by-play for uh, Mississippi State versus North Carolina State this weekend. His thoughts on State's offensive line and the game on Saturday. Joining me now on the Welcome Home Beef Hotline, Mike Golick Jr. He is a uh, color commentator for ESPN. You know who Mike Golick Jr. is. I don't. I don't need to go through the uh, the, the 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 curriculum with him. Mike, you'll be on the call this week, and you'll be in Starkville uh, for the first. Just first question, man. Are you ready to hear cowbells? I'm excited for this one. It, it's one of those things where I think I'm always excited to get to travel around, especially to places that I didn't get to play as a player. But now, after last year, where we had to call these games from studios here in Bristol and remote setups, I'm like a newborn baby where I just want the sensory overload of every situation. So, yes, please, crank the cowbells up to 11. Let's do this. I don't think you'll have to, uh, to ask too many people to do it. Uh, <laughs> you've obviously had a chance to look at some film. You saw Mississippi State and the way they, they won on Saturday. Just your initial impressions of the Bulldogs in that, in that win. Uh, yeah, obviously uh, – I think everyone's going to come away from week one kind of able to explain away however they won. You know, NC State on the other side is going to say we went out and executed. We beat an opponent like we're supposed to. If you're Mike Leach and this Mississippi State uh, outfit, you can already say, well, we managed to overcome adversity in week one. Did you want to be down that much going into the fourth quarter? No. But what you saw out of that and what you can pull up if you're the coaching staff going into this week is – hey, Will Rogers, our quarterback, was perfect when we needed him to be in that fourth quarter operating this offense. The defense that gave up a lot of big plays, too many big chunk yardage plays in the beginning of this game when you were getting down, the things we did carelessly with the football, we were able to overcome that. And so now just imagine what we can be like if we iron out some of those mistakes that were, you know, guys being in the same gap at the same time on defense or not having their eyes in the right spot or, you know, Will Rogers just not, you know, being mindful enough with the football in a couple of these instances. So I think you could take a lot of good away from those situations as everyone kind of does the self-scout week one to week two. One of the reasons I wanted to talk to you, and I was glad that you, you were on the call for this, as a former offensive lineman, State's yeah. offensive line has just been you know, a, 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 an issue, and that's probably putting it kindly, uh, since Mike Leach took, uh, took over. Uh, I don't know if it's because of the way these guys were recruited to re- run systems that were really run heavy, and now they're, they're asked to pass protect. 50-plus times a game, but for whatever reason, it hasn't really clicked. I want to talk about the splits. That's the that's what everybody points to, the yeah. wide splits. Explain to the listeners and, and some people who don't understand what splits are, why wide splits are so important in this system, and is that something that can be changed? Can they narrow their splits down and still be an effective offense? So 
splits essentially for everyone when you're watching like an o-lineman when you grow up and when you start playing the position you learn first your stance get down and get comfortable with that and then the second in every offense is how far am i supposed to be from my neighbor so the center obviously gets up over the ball and then in a normal offense you're looking and you're learning to eyeball all right a lot of places when i played it was foot foot and a half split mm-hmm. and so that's just the distance from you know if i'm playing guard i want a foot and a half between me and the center i want a foot and a half between me and the tackle And most places how that operates is, all right, if I'm going to run a certain play where I'm working with the center, and let's say we're running an outside zone play away from the two of us, I would, in a lot of offenses, have the ability to cut down my split. So I move down the distance I've got to go to work in combination. When you look at Mike Leach historically, he was one of the guys in this air raid as we talk about him and how mummy growing this thing. Mike Leach was one of the guys that said, we're going to spread these guys out three feet apart. We're going to put them way farther apart than anyone else because in his mind, in this offense, it's about time, space, and giving your quarterback information. And one of the ways you can do that for teams that are going to try and heat you up and disrupt is when you move the splits as far apart, it clears up the picture for the quarterback in most normal downs of distance. He's going to be able to see, all right, is a D-line giving away that they're going to try and do you know twists and games up front are the linebackers starting to peek down like they're going to try and blitz and shoot through these gaps and so those are all things that in Mike Leach's version of the air raid have been pretty non-negotiable you go back to all his time at Washington State even when you had quality guys like Andre Dillard an offensive lineman in this offense has to kind of be able to operate in an island a little more than most the rest of us I've always said for offensive line it's the art of understanding where to give and receive help Mm-hmm. In this offense, it's you're put on an island, which can help. It can give you angles to work with. But as we saw, and, and there are you know some concessions. It's not always black and white, but you saw in this last game against La Tech, when they went up with these light fronts, when they had you know two, three D linemen on the field and a bunch of small bodies, Leach called a bunch of runs or checked to a bunch of runs in this offense. And you saw these guys get to what comes natural for them, like you mentioned get some of these double teams in there. So I don't think it's going away. I think there's an adjustment period. And I think this is one of the areas year one to year two, full off season to work with, full complement of all the things that we've talked about coming outside of the pandemic that end up benefiting you a lot as the group up front, trying to do something that's very foreign to a lot of guys initially. So when you see State's offensive line, you see problems that can be fixed. I do. I, I just, you know, it's, listen, put it this way. It's a system foreign to me as an offensive lineman. I was always a guy that needed help on either side of me, but it, it's, I think, less problems that need to be fixed and more just understanding, all right, these are the parameters of what we got to deal with here. We know what's going to be asked of us. You're going to average, I mean, last year they were first in passing attempts in FBS football. They were number one at just over 50 a game. So, you know that's going to be expected of you. You know with the screen game, you're going to get some help there. With the running back swing passes, you're going to get some alleviation, some quick balls out. But it's still an adjustment period of, all right, I got to reset my mentality of I got to operate on my island. And then when I get a few chances to go out there and whoop somebody in a double team, I got to make sure they count. And I thought that was one of the things that State's offensive line week one took advantage of. When they had opportunities to go out there and tee off, there's no lineman in this offense. It's like throwing a dog a bone, and these guys took advantage of that. Let's sort of turn the page over and look at uh, at, at NC State. What were your first thoughts on them? Because to me, when I see a good team play a bad team, the good team should win big. That's exactly what happened on Thursday. Yeah, it's exactly what happened. And I I look at this team, and I see 
a quarterback that can certainly elevate them, right? I, I think when you look at Leary and what he's been able to do for them under center, what this team looked like when he was out of the game last season, it's a marked difference for Dave Dorn and this squad. So other than that, I, I think, and we were just talking about the O-line as I was kind of looking at this game, what would scare me and what we saw at times for State against La Tech originally was, all right, some of those guys were getting home up front. Some of those guys were able to win those matchups. And when you throw twists and stunts when you're backed up in the red zone, when there's less time to process, now you had real issues. I don't think NC State's got a guy that jumps off to me right away as a dynamic pass rusher that I'd be super, super afraid of in that regard. Like These aren't the NC State teams of a few years ago that put seven pros into the draft, the bulk of which were in that front seven. And so I, I think on that side of the ball defensively, I feel a little better about things. It's always this interesting chess match of, all right, for every D coordinator coming in, how much are you going to hug the stuff that you do, which NC State would probably play a little bit more man than I'd imagine we're going to see versus what everyone has to do against Mike Leach, sit back, kind of try and be patient. And sometimes maybe that, you know, gets a coordinator feeling a little bit antsy. Maybe you try and do a little bit too much. Um, but for state offensively, I think they're going to get more of those zone looks they're used to. And on the other side, this is an offense for NC State that wants to beat you up up front. We know this defense, what they want to do, so much of it based in what we've seen from Rocky Long's outfit in San Diego State for years. They want to create some chaos up front. What NC State does well on the other side for that is they got a big, bad group of dudes up front on that offensive line, especially that left side, who have been running zone blocking for years, which can be an antidote for a lot of that movement up front. So I think that's the exciting matchup against the pro quarterback. I mean, what a great secondary you've got at State. A couple of you know young guys, especially, that paid dividends last year. But to me, it's going to be about that matchup up front for Mississippi State, can they use some of these disguises, create that chaos with the way they want to move bodies around at the linebacker level to knock off what is the strength of this NC State team, which is their O-line up front? Yeah, that's the matchup I wanted to focus on next. You know, 293 yards rushing last week uh, for NC State, 7.3 yards per carry. I don't expect them to average that, but do you think this NC State offense can be successful running the football against Mississippi State's defense? I think so. It, it, it's a lot of it. And again, this is just me as someone who I, I came up in zone blocking schemes. I believe they're an antidote for a lot of things. And so when I see Mississippi State's version of this, you know, three, three, five move around defense that they've got here, I say, let's let's zone the hell out of them. You guys want to move bodies around up front. I'm going to let that group, especially when you can spell two backs like this, when you've got Bam Knight, when you've got Ricky Person in that backfield that can kind of now split carries between the two, keep them fresh. I want to really try and wear them out, and not necessarily go total ball control, but I don't think NC State's receiving core outside of maybe one guy is super threatening. And so kind of like what Mississippi State does, where I want to operate in the intermediate to open up the stuff downfield. If you're NC State, you have to be able to beat them up in the box. That is where your physical strength advantage lies, and it's what's going to open up some of these shots that they want to take for Larry. Bill Connolly from ESPN had this as a as the over-under on this one was 55 points. So a low-scoring game is, is what he's projecting. He's got NC State winning it. Of course, Vegas has them as a two-and-a-half-point favorite. Just looking at some of the, these two offenses, do you think this is a low-scoring game, or, or can these two teams crank it up and get into the 30s or 40s? I think especially early in the season, we've seen – I think I, I pulled this from ESPN Stats and Info, and I, I, I'm paraphrasing a bit, but this is on pace to be the third – or this was – the third lowest average scoring output 
for a first game. So whether it was week one or week zero in the last 15 years, like offenses are behind the eight ball. And whether that's because, you know, defense is generally ahead of offense to start seasons, whether the super seniors have benefited that side of the ball more, I'm not sure how to explain it, but I think offense is going to take a little bit. We'll see that jump from week one to week two. But I think for these offenses without maybe, you know, a super dynamic playmaker on either side. Again, I think NC State's best playmakers are in their backfield. I think for, you know, uh, for State, it's always about spreading the ball around in this offense. You know, you've got some talented guys. I like Calvin and that wide receiver group. We saw him on some of those screens able to be yard after the catch guy the way this offense dictates. But I still would probably imagine this is a tighter game because while state is certainly going to average throwing the ball a lot, it's more of a ball control offense. They're going to try and eat up clock in that ways as these guys take advantage of these spots and zones. So I would imagine lower scoring outfit. We will see on Saturday night. Mike will be on the call with Anna Schroff uh, in Davis Wade Stadium. I know you're excited to be traveling again and getting away from remote broadcasts, and as are the fans. I promise you that. Thanks so much for joining me here today on the podcast, man. Really appreciate the time. Thanks for having me, Brian. All right, thanks to Mike Golick Jr. Appreciate his time. Obviously, a uh, a busy man. Um, and you and you heard what he had to say. He, he was very excited, by the way. Just a little inside baseball here. Uh, whenever I interview somebody, I like to either text them back or email and be like, "Hey, thanks for coming on." And he was like, "You know, I've never been given five minutes to just talk about splits before. So you really gave me a gift today." <laughs> he was really into that discussion, which was cool. What, what was kind of just for myself as yeah. I'm talking. You haven't heard the interview yet. What what was his thoughts on what the issues were? He, right he agreed with you that it's correctable, but you know, and he talked about splits and he talked about how you know in a normal situation you're looking at maybe one and a half feet, and now it's it's basically double that in this system, and it makes it difficult. And it's, and this is a good point I hadn't really considered. You know, you think about communication on the offensive line. So much of offensive line play is you block and then you sort of let him go to the next guy, and when you're standing a foot and a half apart. That's not that difficult, right? You, you get the good push, and you sort of push him down the line. But at that kind of split, there is no push him down the line because there's a gap. There's a big three-foot gap there, and if you let him slide in, he can just go straight to the quarterback from there. So, so you literally just, you have to keep your guy in that one spot. Right. And, but, and, that, and all that does is free up somebody else right. to come in. But that, the issue, obviously, that Mississippi State's problem has had is that it's been only three guys versus five, and they're still not finding a way to block that. So that leads me to think it's, there's, there's communication issues. We saw some of that last week against Louisiana Tech, when especially early in the game, where they were, they were doing a lot of stunts and a lot of twists and a lot of different things on the defensive line, and it was causing issues, especially on that left side of the line with Cam Jones and Charles Cross. They were they were they were you know I hate to double use the word, but they were crossing Mississippi State up a lot. In, in those situations. So State's got to be better communicating on the offensive line. They've got to, you know, figure out, hey, look, all right, Cross has got his guy. Uh, Lashley's got his guy. Sharp's got the guy in the middle. Where do the guards need to be? The guards are sort of the unsung heroes here to me. Mm-hmm. They've got to be the guys who are cleaning up the mess for everybody else. If somebody comes free, I, I need a guard to get there, but I also need them sort of keeping an eye, you know, keeping their head on a swivel to make sure the tackles are going to be okay in what they're doing. He thinks that he thinks that the pro, the issues are correctable, and he thinks that repetition and everything will will help. But he's also, you know, he's he says the same thing that we're saying now. If it's not better in this game, you're going to lose. Yeah, you got to be better. This is a good defense. Interestingly enough, and you'll find you'll we'll hear a little bit more about this. Didn't have a sack last week against uh, 
South of Florida. Now they dominated the football game, and and you know they had a bunch of tackles for loss, but no sacks. I found that interesting, especially when you think about Mississippi State, and they didn't really generate a whole lot of pass rush either. They had one sack, and yeah. I think four tackles for loss. This is a you know whoever can find those big plays behind the line of scrimmage is going to have a, a big advantage uh, in this one for sure. But by and large, I, th- I think he gets the impression that you know. First off, he makes it clear the wide splits are here to stay. There is no adjusting those splits for this offense. Yeah, and to do so would mean to, you would need to fundamentally adjust everything you want to do offensively, and that's not going to happen. Leach is not changing anything about his offense. No. He he might run the football a little more from time to time. Mm-hmm. He's not going to change anything schematically. No, this is this is what his offense is, and it's not going to change. So if anybody thinks the splits are are going to go away magically. Not going to happen. Right. State's just going to have to figure it out. Yeah, you're absolutely correct. And we'll see if that's going to be the case or not. I don't know. I don't know. But but if it's not, it's going to be a long season uh, here in Starkville. Let's move on into the second half of the show. That's brought to you by our good friends over at Welcome Home Beef. Remember, if you're looking for Welcome Home Beef products here in Starkville, you're looking for them at Val's Marketplace on Highway 12. They have got pl- great steaks burgers, roasts, and all sorts of cuts for you there. Anything you're looking for, the meat department can handle. And, of course, Welcome Home Beef available in many places other than Starkville, Louisville, Collinsville, Pontotoc, Corinth, and many other places. If your local market does not carry Welcome Home Beef, find out why. Call your local grocery store. Call Welcome Home Beef. That number is 662-268-8148. Or visit them online. I'm sorry, there is no more website. Just 662-268-8148. Welcome home, Beef. It just tastes good. Two Brothers Smoked Meats. A little late for the tailgating order, but don't worry. You can still grab Two Brothers Smoked Meats. Just head over to their location in the Cotton District, get a table, and enjoy some of the best food, not only here in Starkville, but anywhere you're in the SEC. Smoked wings, barbecue tacos, great burgers and sandwiches. It's all right there for you, and a great place to people watch on their big patio outside. Head over to I'm sorry, sorry. Head over to Two Brothers this weekend when you're in Starkville. Advantage Business Systems has to take you on a has a great plan to take your business to the next level. They have an incredible selection of technology for you to choose from. Everything your business needs to operate: copiers, printers, computers, software, everything it needs. It's right there at Advantage Business Systems, and every sale comes with the kind of customer service you would expect to get from your next-door neighbor. That's what they are at Advantage Business Systems. They are your neighbor. They are Mississippians, Mississippi first the whole way. Call them today and find out how they can put 46 years of experience to work for you. That number is 601-362-9192, or visit them online at absms.com. Find out how Advantage Business Systems helps your business do business. North Carolina State, totally dominant uh, in their win over South Florida. Very balanced offensively, 232 yards passing, 293 yards on the ground. When we flip and look at the other side of the, of the ball here, you know, I, I don't see North Carolina State rushing for nearly 300 yards on Mississippi State. I don't see them averaging nearly 7.5 yards a carry, which is what they got against uh, <clears throat> South Florida. But if they are successful running the football, that is going to go a long way for them. I guess my question to you is pretty simple. Do you feel like they can be successful against this MSU defense? They're going to have to be balanced in this game. and They're not going to be able to just run the football in Mississippi State, just come out and just and pound State on the ground. It's not going to happen. I mean, Georgia couldn't do it last year, and that's a team that has been yeah. a, an elite running team. And last week, 
Louisiana Tech, for the most part, couldn't do it. I, I know they had the 59-yard the run or whatever it was, but that was kind of a defensive miscue, and that made up the bulk of their rushing attack. They had 101 yards rushing on, I think, 26, 25 carries. Mm-hmm. Well, they had, what, 40? 49 on one play. Yeah, what, 44? 42, 42 yards. 42 yards on, on 24, 24 carries. carries. So – State shut their running running game down the rest of the ball game. The running backs did nothing. They couldn't do anything with their running backs. So I'm not saying State's going to shut down NC State, but if they come out and their game plan is we're going to just pound it down Mississippi State's throat, that's not going to happen. I, I don't see that happening. They're going to have to. They, they might have to ru- to open up the running game with some with some passing. You think they might come out <clears> passing <throat> early? I think that's a possibility, and they're capable of doing that too. I mean, this is not a team that's going to be a one trick pony. Right, right, right. They're just the running game is what makes them go, and I, I think Zach Arnett is going to probably come out and say, "You think you can beat us on the ground? Beat us on the ground." That's, I mean, I, I don't, I don't think that I don't think they're going to be able to come out and just dictate the run game. Feels like that's a challenge that Zach Arnett's up for. You know, when, when it's you're talking about you know a team that likes to throw the ball a lot and spread you out, he he knows that his his defense can be susceptible to those big plays over the top. But if you just want to run right at him, I think he'll take that challenge, you know, 7 days a week. And and if this if this game plays out like NC State where Ste- I mean uh, Georgia mm-hmm. where State shuts down the running game and they're having to result mm-hmm. to the pass there's no JT Daniels out there. There's yeah. no George Pickens. There's well, and State's better in the secondary. They have more depth. They they're they're fully loaded back there. You know, yeah. they're not coming at them with that uh, you know that mash unit that they had a season ago. So. The more I looked at State's defense last week, the more I realized it wasn't that bad. Right. I mean, they gave up it's, 30, it's, 34 straight points, but. Well, there were two coverage breakdowns that went for touchdowns. Right. There was a pick six in there. Right, and the long run. And so, so four big plays. Yeah, and and I, I always think back. You know they what? Had game, 358 yards or whatever. You know it was. what game I always think about? Remember Dak senior year against Alabama? Based, and I think Manny Diaz said this is after the game. He's like, "Well, we were good except for four plays." There, were, but they were four back breaking plays. They were big ones, big long plays, and then those kill you. Um. The problem that game, obviously, the state couldn't move the ball at all on Alabama. That got sacked like ten times. Nine times, yeah. Um, this is a little different situation, but yeah, you're right. I mean, a blown two blown coverages. I mean, I, I don't know if blown coverage on the second touchdown on the on the twenty three yards pass. That's a good were, throw. They, state was blitzing and they caught him in the blitz. Yeah. The second, the, the first touchdown's a blown coverage. Uh, the 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 long run. Give give Louisiana Tech some credit. They had set that play up perfectly. State did not have any faith in Kendall to keep the ball. He did, and he walked into the. And end. they were misaligned too. Right. According yeah. to Colin Duncan, they they didn't have their eyes at the right, right. spot. And, and they, then like so there's a pick six in there too. You, you have to take that into account. Let's get a, a look at the North Carolina State perspective. Jonas Pope the fourth joins us again from the Raleigh News Observer. Let's get his thoughts on this weekend's game. So joining me now, Jonas Pope the fourth covers the Wolf Pack for the Raleigh News and Observer. We've had him on the podcast before. Uh, really great information last time. Now you've seen a game, just your initial impressions of uh, of North Carolina State and what you saw against South Florida. Um, first of all, thank you for having me on. Secondly, uh, what I saw against South Florida was a team that came out and, and just dominated from, from beginning to end. And I think while a lot of people expected State to win that game, um, something they've done in the past is they, they haven't been able to really uh, keep their foot on the neck of their opponents and really 
controlled the game for four quarters. They, they've had instances where they would start out hot and let teams, even even inferior opponents, like sneak back in the game late or even make it look a lot closer than it was. But this team really kept the pressure on, never took their foot off the gas. Um, South Florida had a chance to score late, but they were determined to get a shutout. So they, they shut them out from the four-yard line. So that just showed me a lot about the focus and the t- determination of this of this 2021 team. A lot of balance offensively for North Carolina State in this game. 232 yards passing, 293 yards rushing. Leary was 17 of 26, averaged eight yards per carry. It feels like offensively it couldn't have gone better for, for North Carolina State. Is that a, a function of how well they played and how well they executed, or was it a function more of what South Florida wasn't able to do? I, I think they really – I mean – I want to give credit to South Florida for making things challenging early, but once, you know, NC State got in a rhythm, there was really nothing that South Florida could have done to stop. And like you said, Tim Beck is an offensive coordinator who likes to be balanced. You know, I think every coach in America said, hey, we want to be balanced. We want to be balanced. But he really showed it uh, in the opening game. And they leaned heavily on the run over Ricky Person and Bam Knight. And then once Devin Leary kind of settled down, I mean, he missed some throws early, but once he settled down, like you said, NC State was just rolling, passing, running. They were doing whatever they wanted to do uh, from start to finish. 293 yards rushing and 7.3 yards per carry. That's impressive. Uh, it doesn't really yeah. matter who you're, who you're playing. <laughs> Obviously, Mississippi State going to present a little different challenge uh, up front uh, on, the, on the defense. I, and, I, and I've said this before. I don't think that they're going to rush for 300 yards on Mississippi State. But the, the question is, can they be effective running the ball against a bigger, faster, stronger Mississippi State defense? Yeah, that's 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 one thing we've talked about with Coach Dorian this week. It's like, you know, he realizes that he realizes that the guys up front will be bigger. Uh they're gonna be better athletes, you know, they're gonna be present a, a tougher challenge. Um, but I, I like you say, I don't think they'll be able to run for three hundred yards, but knowing this offense and their and their philosophy, they're gonna stick to the run, they won't abandon it. Um so they're gonna try to keep luring them to sleep. And the good thing for state is they probably won't run for three hundred yards, they probably won't average seven yards to carry. But they'll have fresh legs, um, and they'll use that to their advantage. You know, Bam and Ricky, neither one of those guys are going to get 25 or 30 carries per game. They're going to split it up. So they're going to have different – and even Jordan Houston came in late and rushed for a touchdown. So they have different weapons they can throw it at Mississippi State and hope they can wear those guys down. Are Knight and Pearson different backs, or do, do they complement each other, or are they sort of you know the same guy and they're just both talented? Yeah, it's pretty much the same guy. They, they were number seven and number eight, and you can swap those numbers. You would never be able to tell them apart. Um, <laughs> Ricky, Ricky's a little bit bigger, but, you know, he has some moves. He has some speed. He can catch the ball in the backfield. Bam came in as known as the speed guy, but he's put on some weight and can run through some tackles. He's hard to bring down. You know, as a lighter guy, you would think one guy can break him down easily, but he, he shows some tough runs against South Florida. We took a whole gang of guys to break him down. He's really the home run hitter who's added some speed and add, I mean who's added some strength, added some size. But yeah, I mean they're interchangeable. They're 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 this year's version of, of Michael Carter and and uh and Williams, Devontae Williams over at Carolina. You have two guys who pretty much you can plug in and do the same things. The number that stands out for me when we flip over to the defensive side of the ball for the Wolfpack is three. Three interceptions in this game. When we talked a few weeks ago, you mentioned that you thought that this that this uh, Wolfpack secondary could be a strength for this team. It looks like in game one that 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 promise came true. Yeah, well, actually, one of those interceptions from a linebacker. But yeah, the, I mean, the defensive backs early on in the game, you know, you saw some South Florida guys who had a step and may have you know run free on a couple of routes. Whatever adjustments they made, it, it, it definitely changed. It changed the rest of the way because those guys were, were locked in, like you said. Uh, three interceptions for the defense, two for the secondary. 
a lot of that credit goes to those guys who've been, well, what Dave Dorn said, they were attacking the ball in the air better than he's ever seen the secondary do since he's been there. And that comes from confidence. That comes from experience and guys playing faster, knowing what to do, not thinking as much. I think you saw a lot of that from the secondary. But just talking to some of those secondary guys today, they give a credit to the front seven for putting so much pressure on a quarterback and making them throw early and making their job a lot easier. You said pressure, and, you know, obviously hurries are there, and that's one thing. But no sacks in this game for North Carolina State. Was that surprising yeah. to you? Um, it was surprising at first, but then Coach Doran and linebacker Isaiah Moore made a very good point this week talking to the media and that they, they're a three-man front. And, you know, a three-man front is not going to get a lot of sacks. Mm-hmm. Um, and they run a three-three-five, So they, they pick and choose their times to blitz and send extra guys, but, you know, they, they have more guys on the back end. So they, those three guys, it's going to be hard to get to the quarterback against five linemen consistently. Um, so they didn't get any sacks, but he was very happy with the pressure they provided, uh, how they got the quarterbacks off their spot, how they made the quarterback still early. So to him, he, he explained that it's not all about sacks. Of course, sacks is what people talk about, but he was pleased with the way they got the quarterback in a hurry and, and threw some balls right to the hands of the defense. When a team wins 45 nothing, you know, obviously to find criticisms, you have to nitpick. So if I, if I asked you to do that, if I asked you to nitpick, what was something that stood out to you that you thought, man, they've got to work on that against Mississippi State? Um, I thought, I thought Bailey Hawkins, I mean, not Bailey Hawkins, he had a great game. I thought, I thought Devin Leary, Bailey Hawkins, the former quarterback. I thought right. Devin Leary, um, I thought he missed some throws early. And I think early in the game, I was surprised with how uh, South Florida was able to kind of rush him and get him off his spot and kind of put some pressure on him. Now, that got better um, as the game went on, but I was, I was very surprised by how he missed some, missed some shots early and how the offensive line failed to pr- protect him, cl- you know, keep him clean early. Now, they fixed it, but they kind of caught my eye um, early on. That's interesting because, you know, Mississippi State, a defense that loves to bring pressure from, from multiple spots, so if they can have some success early, that, that'll be one thing. One last thing before we go, I mean, I, and I asked this in another interview, Looks like the you know the, the the odds makers and everything think this is going to be a pretty low scoring game. Is that how you see it as well? Yeah, I I, I definitely see it the same way. I mean, I hope NC State doesn't think they're going to come out and score forty five points again. Yeah, um, I might. I mean, we all saw the Clemson the Clemson in uh, Georgia game was ten seven. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I I, I expect it to be some more scoring in this game, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if this ACC SEC game is, is similar, like low scoring seventeen ten. You know, 20 to 14, 2017, something like that. Yeah, you're sort of reading my mind on, on where I think this game is going to end up as well. Appreciate the time, Jonas. Always glad to have you on the podcast, man. And uh, we'll see you this weekend. I man, appreciate it. All right. Thanks to Jonas for his time. Appreciate him coming on the show again. Uh, much better uh, quality interview uh, this time. I got that sound quality thing figured out. Sorry about the last time, guys. This is going to be a tough game for Mississippi State. You know, this is no pushover team, this is a good team. That, that can that can do some damage. And I, I was surprised, very surprised they weren't ranked. Not in the top 25, North Carolina State. I, I was surprised by that. Um, I believe I saw somebody voted them in the top 25. Maybe Brandon Marcello? I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm so sure so they got, they're, they got some votes. I think they're like 27th. When there's several the people. They're right on the edge. Yeah. So, this is, mean, so a, this is a big game for them. This is a de facto top 25 game for this is a, State. This is one of the... In terms of non-conference games, I don't remember a bigger one in Starkville in recent years. You know, you think about last year or two years ago with Kansas State, but eh. And then you know that that game kind of reminds me of that. This game kind of reminds me of that Kansas State. Game. Okay, because that Kansas State team was that was a really really good Kansas State team, mm-hmm. and 
But you know, I think the year before stated killed them. Yeah. And nobody was ex- really expecting, but that team was solid. It was solid, and they I were on the verge of top. I expected status. Mississippi State to win that game, whereas this week I don't expect that. I did too, but it, that was one of those games where I was like this is kind of a scary well. That was game. sort of the game where you got the idea that that, that 2019 was not going to go the way Joe Moore had wanted it to go. Yeah, uh, and and honestly, this could be the same situation where you could get the impression that it's not going to go the way Mike Leach wants it to go. It's interesting to me that I feel like State can take a loss and absorb that and still have a good season, but they have they got to kind of lose the right way. They need mm-hmm. to lose by 10 or less. They need to be in the game in the fourth quarter and maybe have it, have it get away from them. But a, a, a big loss, 14-plus, and people are not – they're not going to take it. They're just not. You really need to win this. I mean, that uh, Winning it up. cures all your ills. I mean, you win this ball game, you win next week, and you go into the LSU ball game 3-0. and You're in great shape. Yeah, that's – and that game is going to be raucous, but this is this is a big game. This is a huge game for Mississippi State. You get an opportunity to to get the bad taste out of your mouth from La Tech. I know they won the ball game, but people are still up in arms a little bit about this team. A lot of people don't really know what to expect. You put the you put that game behind you coming to this ball game against a a pretty darn good Power Five team, a team that's going to be competing for their division in the ACC. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is a huge ball game. Huge game. A huge statement could be made in this game. All right. We'll preview this game in great detail tomorrow with our three Ps uh, for the Friday podcast. Thanks again to Mike Golick Jr. and Jonas Pope the Fourth for joining us. We really appreciate them coming on. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow on the show uh, with the three Ps for Friday and get you set up for Mississippi State, North Carolina State at Davis Wade Stadium. For Robbie Falk, I'm Brian Haydad. Thanks for listening to Thunder and Lightning on Super Talk Mississippi. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.